NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio, for the way we live now. Thanks for joining us here at Napa Broadcasting. I'm your host, Jeff Sheckman. We're in the thick of primary election season. We have a couple of supervisor races, a treasurer tax collector race, some initiatives, and of course, the Democratic presidential primary. The last thing I expected we'd have is a judicial race. In fact, not since 1984, a full 36 years ago, did we have a contested judicial race, and then it was for an open seat. This is not something that happens here in Napa, but this year we do. Judge Monique Langhorn, appointed by Governor Brown to fill the unexpired term of Judge Rodney Stone, is seeking re-election to the court. And in an unusual move, she's being challenged in that effort, even though there are four other judges running unopposed for their seats. However, Judge Langhorn is no stranger to firsts, as she will gladly tell you. And it is my pleasure to welcome Judge Monique Langhorn here to Napa Broadcasting. Your Honor, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about your background, your history. You know, with, with people that are running for office all the time, we know every detail about them. Tell us a little bit about your history and how you wound up here in Napa. Sure. I will start uh, with 1975. That's when I was born. And I was born into a military family. My biological father was in the Navy. And so my mother had roots in Vallejo, but we actually moved to Virginia, uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And then we lived in Orlando, Florida, and then came back to California, settled back in Vallejo by the time I was in the fifth grade. So I matriculated through the Vallejo schools and graduated um, from high school in 1992. I then began my studies at UC Berkeley undergrad. I had a double major in rhetoric and African-American studies. Um, So I grew up right next door to Napa. But what brought me to Napa was um, a classmate. I was in a rhetoric course, and I had always been told, tell people what you want to do in life. You never know who you'll meet. Sure enough, my classmate found out that I wanted to be a lawyer and a judge one day, and she said, my mother's the division chief at the Family Support Division in Napa. She talked to her about uh, me coming on uh, that summer of 1995, and, and there I went. So I was had just finished my junior year at UC Berkeley, and I began interning in the now Department of Child Support Services. Then it was the Family Support Division. So that's what brought me here, and literally I was just there to file papers, put them in alphabetical order. Um, from there... I continued on, finished UC Berkeley undergrad. I was uh, admitted into Bolt Hall Law School, which is now called Berkeley Law. And then I became a certified law student. So that meant I was going to court just as the attorneys were, as long as I had my supervising attorney or a representative from the office there with me. And that's how I started my work in the courts. Um, Sure enough, after I passed the bar, I was then hired at the Napa District Attorney's Office, so I prosecuted, uh, started off with general misdemeanors and moved on to narcotics, um, general felonies, domestic violence, everything that that you could do. I did it for six years, Um, and then I applied to be a Superior Court Commissioner, and I was hired, and I did that for 12 and a half years, so I've been on the bench since 2006. And then, as you indicated in the intro, I was appointed in 2018 as a judge. So over 13 years on the bench. The one thing that that we have to add to that is that throughout this period, you were always kind of a first in terms of of your involvement in in the criminal justice system and the legal system in Napa as an African-American woman. 
Absolutely. So I was the first black uh, deputy district attorney, the first black or African-American court commissioner, and now the first African-American judge of Napa County. And when you first came to Napa, that was even an oddish situation, a bigger deal than it might be even considered today. Right. I, you know, I hadn't ventured too far into Napa, you know, as a (laughs) child. Um, We (laughs) did go to football games as I was a cheerleader, um, and it was, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't very comfortable at times. We, uh, you know, as African-American cheerleaders, we were called certain names. (laughs) Uh, when we went to those games. So um, I didn't see Napa at that time as a friendly place, just to be honest. Um, But when I had the opportunity to come and work, I went for it. And um, I must say it's all of my coworkers and people that I've interacted through my employment, they have been wonderful. So um, I'm just thankful to still be there. Talk about the perseverance. I mean, it wasn't a friendly place back in those days, and and you dealt with it. You pushed your way through. Talk a little bit about that, how it felt, and and how difficult it was to persevere in that kind of an environment. Well, I always knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a lawyer and a judge, and I knew that from when I was about four years old, and I voiced that to my teacher um, years ago when we were in Virginia, and at that moment, being a little girl, I was told I couldn't because I was black, that the most I could do was aspire to be a maid. And so even dealing with that and even dealing with what I dealt with when I was in high school in Napa, I thought, you know, first of all, the sky's the limit and I can do it in spite of, you know, I, you know, had learned about the civil rights movement. There obviously people that look like me face many adversities, but that didn't stop them from achieving what they did. And I thought, well, I'm standing on their um, shoulders. If they can do it, I can do it. So I always had that in my mind. And I thought, no matter what, I'm going to reach my goal. And here's an opportunity, you know, to work in a a law-related office. I have to take it. Um, And I just felt that, you know, that's what I should do. And that's what I did. And I'm glad I did. I'm very thankful. And I've been blessed along the way. What was it about wanting to be a lawyer or wanting to be a judge that inspired you so early? You know, it's funny. I don't know where it actually came from. I just remember saying that when I was young. And I often joke and say, oh, I used to watch Perry Mason, (laughs) but I don't know where it came from. But like I mentioned, you know, learning about civil rights, I just saw that there were lawyers and judges at the forefront of that. And, of course, community members. But it just sort of confirmed and solidified what I wanted to do. I, at some point, wanted to make a difference in this world, and I thought I could do it through the legal system. So I just kept pressing on with my goals. And and at what point, as you evolved, did you realize that, that you wanted to be on the side of law enforcement, that you wanted to be a judge, you wanted to work as, as a commissioner, that you wanted to be on that side of the bench? Right. I always knew that I wanted to be a judge. I didn't know exactly how it would lead me there. I had a mentor. She was a uh, criminal defense attorney. So that summer that I started in Napa, one day a week I would work at her law firm. Um, so I thought, oh, well, maybe I will be a criminal defense attorney and then eventually be a judge. Well, I think my work with the Family Support Division sort of shaped where I would go from there um, because I was sort of, I guess, on that side of a prosecutor, even as a law student. 
And then um, when I was applying for jobs, obviously I applied for the DA's office here and there, here in Napa. And when I was off of that, I thought, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. And I absolutely love that position. So I kind of, it just kind of came to me. And I thought, uh, once again, this is an opportunity. I have to take it. Do you think that race is still an issue in, in the community? Unfortunately, it is. And one of the examples is my um, brochures. My The first version of the brochure had me and my fiancé and my daughter, and there were a couple of pictures. Like most candidates, you see them and their families on their brochures when they're campaigning. And I was told that I should probably tone it down, take our pictures off of there, put me on the front with other judges, because some people will think it's too much. And, I mean, I sort of know these things in the back of my mind, but when it sort of slaps you in the face, it's like, this is really real. It's 2020, and it's still an issue for some people. Not not everybody, thankfully, because I have met so many wonderful people where race doesn't matter, and it shouldn't. But there, unfortunately, are some who still have that, um, and it's just something that I have to deal with. And I have dealt with it, so sort of a part of life for me. Talk about running for election, how, how difficult it is as a sitting judge and how rare it is, particularly here in Napa. Right. It, it, I will say it is very difficult um, because unless you have the vacation, you still have to work, number one. Um, and while I do have vacation, um, I still have colleagues that are trying to run the court and And there's a reason why we have eight judicial officers. It's because we need all those judicial officers to be on the job. Um, So I couldn't take the vacation that some people can take to, you know, deal with the campaign. So literally I work every day. Um, My calendar started at 830. Um, We call our last cases at 430. Sometimes they go till five. I am not allowed to campaign during those hours uh, except for my lunch break. And that's in the, um, the rules. So that's what makes it difficult. I still have to work my full-time job, but I still have to campaign. So literally before work, at lunch, and after work is when I do that. It's very tiring. I, You know, this was not on my radar to do because we <laughs> haven't had, like you said, a judicial election in, in so long. So literally when I found out, all of the sitting judges were saying, we want to help you, but we don't know how. They've never had to do this. I had to go to the retired judges, but... I talked to Judge Snowden because he knew uh, about it. Judge uh, Young, I talked to him. Judge Gadani helped with um, Judge Bennett's campaign years ago. And so those are the people that I've been calling on, and they've been so helpful. And even the ones who really don't know how to help, uh, they stepped in there, you know, to donate money, to host meet and greets at their homes, just everything they can do. But it, it is very different and difficult. And as a judge, I'm supposed to be fair and impartial. I um, Most people in um, the county don't know judges unless you happen to live with around them or let's say you've been to court or if you're a lawyer or a litigant or if you've done jury duty, maybe that was the judge you saw. So it's it's been um, sort of a, a marathon to try to get out there and let as many people as I know or as I can know who I am. First of all, the name recognition is so important in any election, but especially for a judge, because people really don't know what judges do. They're confused by the fact that there is a judge on the ballot. Many will say, well, I thought you were appointed. 
And yes, I am, but there are terms. They, people think it's a lifetime appointment, which it's not for Superior Court judges. So right. it's, it's been very difficult, but, you know, it's, it's important. It's something that I have to do. I love my job, so I obviously want to keep it. And what I tell people is if I don't win this, I don't have a job. I don't go back to being a commissioner. I'm not automatically back in at the DA's office. I have to apply and find another job if I don't win this election. So it's very important for my livelihood, number one. I have a family, obviously, that I need to support. And so I am doing what I have to do to retain my position. As I mentioned in in the introduction, there's, and I think I have this number right, there's four other judges that are running unopposed. There were a total of five judges that were up for election this year. Right. Why do you think you're the one that drew the the short straw in this? You know, I I don't know, and I will be honest. Um, Like you said, there were five of us, and just so people know, those other four will not be on the ballot because they were not chosen and when you decide you want to oppose a sitting judge you have to pick someone you don't just say give me anyone you have to pick um and so the only thing i know is um i went to an endorsement meeting and my opponent said it was nothing personal he just picked a name out of the hat he was pressed a little bit more and then he said he received um some advice from local attorneys (laughs) beyond that i don't know to what, yeah, to what extent is it after an election process and, and meeting so many people and, and, and interacting with so many people, does it make it potentially harder when and if those people ever come into the court system? Because you really have a different relationship with so many people that wouldn't have existed if you didn't have to run an election. Right. And that's what makes this even more difficult. So there are many attorneys who are endorsing me. So even now, when they come before me, I have to say on the record, you know, so-and-so mm. is endorsing me. If they've given money, I have to say so-and-so has given me, you know, $500 on this date. And that goes in the minute order. It's set out in the open. Literally, I was in court yesterday, and almost every attorney in the room had was endorsing me, so I had to say it. And then there were two who were raising their hands that would say, I'll endorse you too. It's, so it makes <laughs> it so uncomfortable <laughs> that I have to do this, and but I do. Um, and then there are people who own property, and you have to get permission to put your signs on property, and that's what we've been doing. And there are people who say, I want to allow you, but I don't want any impropriety. I don't want it to look bad. So that's the only reason why I'm not going to let you post. But just know I support you. Um, So that makes it a little uncomfortable and a little difficult. But I've been thankful for those who are willing to say that because you can probably take it personally if someone says, no, you can't post. But they've been people have been so kind to tell me why. Um, So it's a difficult process. And it does. Uh, There are some people that I didn't know before that now that I know them, they've opened up their homes. I wouldn't I couldn't hear their case because they not only endorse me, but they've done a little extra to have. Um, an impact on my campaign. So that's another uh, rule that we have in the judicial candidates. Just because they endorse you doesn't necessarily mean you have to recuse yourself. But if they, if someone pays uh, more than $1,500 for my can't, you know, donates more than that uh, to me, then I have to recuse myself. And if they have made an impact on my campaign, um, then I wouldn't be able to hear any of their matters. Mm-hmm. So it does make it difficult, especially in a smaller town like ours, you know, our county like ours. So it's just something that I'll just have to do case by case and see. 
Have you come to any conclusions or thoughts about the system itself? I mean, just from your own experience here, is is this a viable system, a viable way to, to elect judges, really? Well, you know, I, I'm kind of split on it, of course, because I'm going through it. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, it. It's so difficult. But I, uh, the other side of the coin is um, there are reasons why some people may want a sitting judge to be unseated. Um, and I... So there's arguments on that side. You don't want to take that away from the people because they have a right, you know, to have the people they want, um, I guess, in those positions. So I, I haven't come down, you know, one way or another. I am, as a judge, I follow the law. And the law says <laughs> that if someone, you know, is qualified and can challenge, they can do that. So I respect that. And I will just go through this process um, with a smile on my face. <laughs> I mean, and I guess there are, it's, it's even more complicated, I suppose, in places like San Francisco, for example, or, or, you know, any other city where there are constantly contested judicial races all the time. Right. And I actually talked to four of the judges who were um, challenged in the most recent election in San Francisco. So that was part of my strategy um, to talk to as many people as possible that have gone through this. And so they had different opinions about how they felt about it. Um, but it is difficult to always know this is going to happen again um, in bigger counties as it, as it does. Um, but it was, again, a shock to me in our county because it usually doesn't happen. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What have you seen in terms of, of, you know, you mentioned the people that, that have been so nice and, and, and really helpful. What, what has it done in terms of your views about Napa and the community as a result of, of going through this? Well, you know, I would say that, you know, I didn't have a certain feeling about Napa, you know, after I worked here so long because I work around a, a bunch of great folks. But it's just nice and, and sort of... Um, heartwarming to know that there are others out there who have never met me, never been in my courtroom, but willing to open their homes to me, willing to support me um, just based on knowing about who I am. And so it just sort of solidifies um, why I'm glad that I stayed here in this position when there were times where, you know, I could have left, but it's just, it's a great place to work, a great place to be. And I want to, you know, continue um, with my career here in Napa County. And it's, it's large in part because of the great people that I've been able to work with for years, but also many of the people that I'm meeting along the way. It's, just, it's a good community, you know, and every community has, you know, good and bad, you know, but, you know, overall, I've had a great experience here. Napa Superior Court Judge Monique Langhorn, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you. Keep up with all the local candidates and issues on NapaBroadcasting.com.